Franklin here, still at Standing Rock, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by one of the leaders of the Standing Rock Legal Council who's been tending to the legal matters of the protectors who've actually been out there on the front lines, and she's got some numbers of what's been happening to folks, uh, how many have been arrested, and then we'll also talk to her about you know what's been happening to people as they've been arrested. So maybe you could just introduce yourself so we all know who we're talking to. My name is Angela Bibbins. I'm a licensed attorney from Colorado, um, Dakota, Santee, Dakota by heritage. My dad was enrolled in the Santee Sioux Nation in Northeast Nebraska. And so, as I mentioned, there's been a lot, a lot of people have been hearing about mass arrest or hundreds of people being arrested. How many people have been arrested? So we have over 500 pending cases in Morton and Burley County, and uh, about 160 of those cases uh, involve felonies. So the protectors are out there, we're praying, we're peaceful. How do they end up with a felony? What do they end up charging these folks with when they're um, practicing peaceful prayer um, protectors? So the first group of felonies came um, from alleged lockdowns and they were charged with felony reckless endangerment. This was based on the extraction methods that the officers had to use, which were grinders and they were concerned that the electricity and the water involved in the grinding um, of the lockdown apparatus was what caused the reckless endangerment to the officers and the extraction team. So that's a little specious in my book. Also, the biggest group of felonies came from the October 27th, what I call the flashpoint confrontation of the sweep of the North Camp, the treaty camp, and that over 140 people were charged with conspiracy to endanger by fire. This week, we had 15 of those cases make their first appearances. Judge Feland in Morton County District Court dismissed outright each one of those 15 felonies for those water protectors, saying that there was not even a scintilla of evidence as a foundation for probable cause for those charges to go forward, even before they were tested at a preliminary hearing. I'm taking this as a good sign for those water protectors who are scheduled for preliminary hearings on December 5th. There are over 100 water protectors who have preliminary hearings that day, and I'm I'm very hopeful, um, but with reservations that um, those charges could be dismissed as well. And so being that a lot of these cases were dismissed, you're feeling kind of hopeful. Uh, what has it been like to deal with the, the legal system out here in uh, aspects of the water protectors? Let me be really clear. Not a lot of cases have been dismissed. So far, we're talking about less than 20 out of the over 160 felony cases, the felonies have been dismissed, but the cases, there's been zero cases other than Amy Goodman's case that has been dismissed. So it's really still a concern. The misdemeanors for those cases were not dismissed. The cases themselves are still active and pending. So what I'm concerned about is everything out of the Morton County prosecutor's office has been overcharged, that there are no criminal defense attorneys who are assigned to these cases have gotten very much in the way of discovery, that the foundation for these charges is specious and um, flimsy, and they don't even have the evidence that they can produce to provide the foundation for the charges. 
And what are some of the misdemeanors that people get charged with when they're out there in service of protecting water? So the the misdemeanors started as obstruction of government function. They started as uh, disorderly conduct. There were a handful of resisting arrest cases. Somewhere around the end of September, beginning of October, those charges started to turn into engaging in a riot and inciting a riot, still misdemeanors, but very different language. I believe that this served to sort of characterize the water protectors as a threat to the community and to the state of North Dakota as a whole. Uh, Media started looking at the demographics of the water protectors criminally charged and you know the Bismarck Tribune ran an article about how all the different places where the water protectors were from outside you know labeling them as outsiders as a threat to traditional North Dakota values. Well This was all Aboriginal land that was taken, and many, if not most, of the arrests have occurred on 1851 treaty land. So the idea that these outsiders, many who are Aboriginal, Indigenous peoples, came here from somewhere else is ridiculous. So... You talked about they're not really forthcoming with evidence because they probably don't have much evidence to fight some of these cases. But in the aspect of dealing with the court, have they been, you know, working with you? Have they been making obstacles in your way to actually, you know, get through this? Or are they just burying you in paperwork and legal matters? For the court system, uh, there's been some underhandedness that has occurred. Today, for example, there were two uh, bond hearings that were scheduled for 3 o'clock. Our North Dakota partner, Attorney Chad Nodlin, was prepared for those bond hearings. He got to court and learned that they had held them at 2.45 because the court had heard that water protectors were coming in mass to protest at the courthouse and they wanted to avoid that kind of upheaval for the judicial process. Um, What that in effect did was deprive these two water protectors of a protection of their rights, which they are entitled to, which is the right to counsel and and their due process in the um, bond hearing. So the prosecutor got a green light to ask the court for whatever he or she wanted in terms of their bond conditions and the amount of bond set. This has happened more than once, and our um, partner attorney, Chad Nodlin, has talked to the court clerks about this sort of underhandedness, and I'm hoping that things will improve, but, I mean, these are institutions that are supposed to be upholding the law. Justice is supposed to be blind. We're, We're not stacking the deck here. This is blatantly unfair. And what about some of the treatment that the protectors have been receiving during their arrest? The treatment from the point of arrest has been deplorable. The state of North Dakota put all of this money, emergency money, $6 million. They've asked for an additional $4 million to militarize their police force, asked for outs- talking about outsiders, they've asked for outside law enforcement to come in to protect this economic interest of Dakota Access building this pipeline. And they have done nothing on the back end to ensure that people could be treated with human dignity and, and basic needs met, like have food at the jail for when people need to eat. People have been deprived of food for 12 to 24 hours at a time. They've been housed in dog kennels. They have been, you know, treated with 
severe indignities, not given blankets, uh, adequate place to sleep. They have trucked everybody all around the state and not given us notice where to find people for hours at a time. We've gotten calls on our jail support line hotline of missing persons and we can't locate them for sometimes up to 24 hours. And that is alarming on so many levels. And what about uh, what I've been hearing about sometimes when they release them, they might be in the middle of the night, maybe without proper clothing in this harsh environment. What's the word on that? Yeah, that has happened several times and to the point where it's preferable, I hate to say this, to keep people in jail for one more night rather than release them in Fargo four hours away from camp and have our jail support team driving through the middle of the night, 3 a.m., trying to get them back safely when then they themselves are run ragged. You know, we uh, on the Water Protector Legal Collective do our best to keep up with the demands. Every day there's a, you know, a new obstacle that's put in our way from the court system and the law enforcement in North Dakota that we have to try to overcome. Every time we think we have the rules figured out, the rules change. And just like a personal question, how do you feel about the water protectors and their their willingness really to, you know, go out there and risk arrest? You know, a personal opinion, if you can offer that on um, the fight out here for the right. I'll say what I say to our legal collective volunteers and they are all volunteers at this point that the water protectors they are the kichita the kichitawi the you know indigenous uh, heroes and allies they are the ones that are putting their literally putting their lives at risk on the line on the front lines to protect the sacred resource our mini wichoni the water the legal collective we are staff we are here to serve humbly to the needs of the water protectors to protect their due process rights, to protect their human rights and dignity, and to seek justice where justice can be sought. And uh, real quickly about the staff, you know, what is the staff like? What kind of um, facilities do you have and what are you working with out here? So what I say is that I help to run a law office, law legal support services for 5,000 people out of an army tent in a war zone. And it's no exaggeration. The conditions have, the weather has turned cold. We've done everything we can to winterize this tent. It has holes in the ceiling. We are concerned about making it through the winter. Um, the, the resources have been, you know, very piecemeal. We had to put up a fundraiser page to help just be able to make sure we have enough legal pads and pens and clipboards for people to do their jail support forms, um, to have firewood to keep the tent warm so that our elders who come in and need our services um, can have a warm cup of tea while they wait and um, a, a comfortable-ish kind of place to sit and, um, you know, have the uh, privacy to disclose what can be some very sensitive um, experiences, humiliating experiences, like the strip search case that we are trying to build. For those of us indigenous people who are taught to value modesty, having that kind of experience is very dehumanizing and invasive and humiliating. I got two more questions, but one to me to ask, what's the best way to help out the legal team, help out the water protectors? Sure, go to the water protector 
Legal Collective Facebook page. There are lots of options through PayPal, fundraiser. You can make larger contributions directly to the National Lawyers Guild Foundation. Earmark that for Water Protector Legal Collective. They will take an administrative fee, but they are our fiscal agent, and we are an incorporated entity in the state of North Dakota doing business here as the Water Protector Legal Collective. Um, lastly, I would ask you, I know you're, you know, you're documenting a lot of stuff that comes in, taking detailed accounts of people's experiences. What are some of the injuries that you see people coming to you with? I'm not really privileged to comment about those particular injuries. Generally speaking, there have been people at the front lines who have been maced and beaten and had their rights abrogated. And those are the things that we are concerned about. I guess lastly, what would you say to someone that is able and willing enough to come out here and bear this winter and really wants to put themselves out there? What would you say to uh, people that are willing to do that? I say you have my eternal gratitude um, and respect for making that kind of commitment. It's not an easy choice. This isn't an easy environment in which to make that stand, but you will have our support should you choose to do that. And was there anything that you would like to add that I haven't asked you that um, you feel is important for people to know? That this is a prayer camp, that whatever um, issues from your home community, drugs, alcohol, weapons, you need to leave those behind. That is not what we are about here. We are about peaceful uh, resistance to this construction of this black snake. Um, thank you very much. Angela Bibbins. Thank you. Thank you.